Hi, and welcome to the Cyclical Podcast. My name is Cassandra Wilder, and I'm a naturopathic doctor and a women's cyclical health expert. This podcast is a space where we demystify all of the bad hormone advice we've been given and instead get back down to the foundations. Your dream of regular, pain-free periods, balanced hormones, and vibrant energy is within reach. Join me and other incredible experts here every single Monday for conversations that are sure to be life-changing. Let's get started. Hi everybody, welcome back to the Cyclical Podcast. I'm so happy to be back and ready for a new season in 2022. I took a much needed three month or so break and I'm feeling refreshed, though I did really miss my weekly episodes. Didn't so much miss the stress (laughs) of making sure that it was scheduled and everything was ready and making sure my interviews were on time. So it was a perfect little opportunity for me to take some space and also really appreciate this platform. I definitely missed the opportunity to log in to my podcast host every single week and see how many thousand downloads there were and how many women, you know, around the world tune in every single week just to feel the magnitude of what it means to have a podcast. So for everyone that is tuning in again, it means so much and I'm so happy to connect with you again. I hope everyone here had a great New Year's. Unfortunately, I was super sick at New Year's. I had strep throat, which it was my first time ever having it. And dear God, <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. It was so painful. It felt like I had sandpaper in my throat. I could hardly eat or drink for a few days. So while everyone was setting New Year's resolutions and, you know, making healthy habits their new thing, I was like dying in bed. <laughs> like, I don't really care. I just want to feel better. So it was an interesting start to the year in that it felt less like sexy and exciting and it was more like barely getting by. But it did give me a great opportunity as always to reflect on the last year and see what worked and what didn't. And especially when it comes to our habits and how we take care of ourselves, it was really fun to start to think what adjustments I'd still like to make and what things were just ready to be left in the past. Some of what I talk about in today's episode, it's going to be juicy, all these quote, healthy habits that really are making a lot of us sick, tired, and giving us period problems um, are things that I've lived with in the past. And while they haven't been such big problems for me in recent years, I'm continuing to hone in on what healthy habits really do work for me and continuing to rub up against those hard beliefs of things that I've done just for so long and I just really want to white knuckle and hold on to, but truly innately know are doing nothing for my health. So we'll get into some of those today because it will probably really resonate. Before we dive into today's episode, I'm super excited to share that this April, I'm leading my first in-person retreat in over two and a half years in beautiful Sedona, Arizona. We're already almost full, but there are three spots remaining. I'll link that in the show notes below, but if you've ever dreamed of four nourishing days in one of the most healing places on earth, this is for you. This retreat includes all organic meals, luxury accommodation at a beautiful retreat center with a pool and a hot tub, a hike to one of Sedona's most beautiful vortexes, and a variety of cyclical health workshops. So if this is speaking to you and you're excited to welcome in 2022 with something a little different and rejuvenating, click the link below or go to goddessceremony.com slash retreats. And if one of those final spots are meant for you, I know I will see you there. So if you tuned into my free period workshop I did in January with the launch of Period Reboot, you may have heard me touch on a couple of these. And obviously, if you've taken Period Reboot, you already know all this. So this is going to just really reinforce some of the foundations we start with in Period Reboot. But what I often hear women say when I talk about this subject, these healthy habits, quote, 
um, that are making us unwell as women, it's women usually say it's a breath of fresh air, right? Like they're so excited that for the first time ever, they're hearing an expert talk about health habits and nutrition and exercise in a way that is not like, do more, eat less, <laughs> remove carbs, remove this, uh, just, just move more and all your problems will be fixed. I too fell victim to a lot of this marketing, uh, especially in my early 20s and even as a teenager, frankly, where I was really wrapped into the quote, healthy mindset but I was severely, severely unhealthy. You know, there's a eating disorder now that is called orthorexia, which is uh, an eating disorder where we're so obsessed with eating clean, it literally creates disordered thinking. And I was 100% there, where if it wasn't vegan and gluten-free and 100% organic, I was not gonna touch it. And so what that created for me was a lifestyle of very low calories, often skipping meals, and then wondering why I was like, I just don't feel good. I only laugh now because I wish I could go back and hug that version of myself and tell her that her pant size and her weight and all these things that she thinks are so important doesn't matter and how she feels matters. And I wish I could hug her and just tell her I love her and she's worthy of so much more than this crazy, quote, healthy stuff she's trying to do. Um, this episode definitely may rub against some really ingrained beliefs. So know that I'm saying all this with love and there's never any judgment. But if you're not feeling well and you're, quote, doing everything right, I think that's the greatest way for us to see that maybe what we're doing really isn't optimal for our biology. And there are ways we can upgrade some of this nutritional and fitness advice to be more conducive for our biology. But it's important to remember, here's a really shocking fact, up until 1993, it was not required for women to even be part of studies. And that went for pharmaceutical, for exercise science, and also for nutrition studies. So when I say that there's a lot of health advice out there that potentially hasn't even really been studied on your biology, I really mean that. And even still today, it's common to see less than 20% of um, study participants to be women because our cycles just complicate everything. Jeez, we're just so hard to understand, right? Like it's, it's ridiculous. So if you've ever felt like keto or doing whatever health thing worked great for your partner or for a guy that you know, this is why. But if it didn't work so well in you, maybe it's because it was designed not with your biology in mind. I know everyone listening is like edge of their seats right now. Like what? <laughs> That's exactly what happened when I led that free workshop in January. Everyone was just like, why is no one talking about this? Like our biology matters. Why is no one studying us? Why does no one care how things impact our hormones? And I'm like, girl, I wish I knew the answer to that. But what I can tell you is how to upgrade your habits so that they are conducive for your biology. So before I go into the three big ones that I'm gonna talk about today, um, just know that they are general guidelines, so no need to feel like you need to adjust everything overnight. Certainly if you have a great naturopath that you see, this could be great to bring up with them. Um, a lot of women in my world though don't have access to a naturopath or they feel like their MDs are not super open-minded to this kind of stuff, and so that's why I made Period Reboot, my online program for women. It's helped thousands of women around the world understand what their symptoms mean, understand how the hormones play into all of this, and then take action in a approach and a method that works with our hormones and cyclical nature. So that's why it has been so helpful for so many women. The link is in the show notes. If you wanna hop on the waiting list, the doors are not open right now, but that way you'll get an email as soon as the next round is available for enrollment. And so if this information today really connects and you feel super resonant or like when I led that workshop, women said they were crying because they felt seen for the first time in their life, make sure you're on that waiting list. That program is stellar. 
So let's start to talk about three big things that I believe are causing a lot more harm than good, and yet they're touted as healthy. And we even have, you know, really educated, brilliant people continuing to perpetuate some of these things that are, again, not conducive for our biology. And I think a lot of people, you know, hear something online or their friend, again, yeah, did keto or did some diet and they had results. And so then they're like, this is the way and that's all they share and perpetuate forever. And they never really stop long enough to think about how does this really apply though to women? Is this the right thing? Does this even make sense? And I say that because I think our bodies are so smart at knowing what feels true and what things feel kind of like, uh, <laughs> that doesn't make a lot of sense. And as we go through this today, I think you'll not only feel like, whoa, this is fascinating, but also no kidding, that kind of makes sense. Like. Obviously, our body needs food and obviously we can't restrict whole food groups and, you know, things that when you really tune into it do make sense. But again, everyone markets things in such a sexy, fancy way. And so it's easy to get caught up in it. That was my story for most of my life. So let's begin. The first one I want to talk about today is low calorie diets. I know this is triggering for a lot of people. So if you need to pause and skip this part, I totally understand. But low calorie diets are something that have been so prevalent and so common for so many years that so many women literally have no idea how much food they should be eating. Let me share a common scenario I've seen with students and also one-on-one -on -one clients I've had over the years. So let's say they eat 16 calories a day and one day they start to feel like mm, I don't feel so good or I feel like my low belly is sticking out a little bit so I'm going to cut my calories so they cut down to 1400 calories and then a few months after that they're like actually I'm plateaued again and I don't feel so good so now they cut down to 1200 calories and now they cut down to a thousand calories and pretty soon I've literally worked with women that have been on 800 to 1000 calorie diets a day super bloated, feeling like they can't lose, we lose weight, they've lost their period, their thyroid's a mess, and they come to me like SOS. And whew, it's a hard subject to talk about because when you realize that there is a woman sitting in front of you who has literally been led to believe that she should live on an amount of food that is nowhere near the amount she needs, it just breaks your heart. And you wanna reach through the screen and tell them that you love them and tell them that it doesn't have to be this way, that they've been misled to think that shrinking themselves and starving themselves is somehow going to give them this, this unattainable idea of beauty that they think is right. And so it's, you can see there's so much complexity to it. And unfortunately, when so many women get to this point, when you start to talk about the fact that this low calorie diet is a huge part of why their thyroid is struggling and why their period isn't coming because their body's like, uh, there's not enough food for us to even think about ovulation. And when you tell them that their metabolism has slowed so much because of this, that they could literally keep cutting these calories and they're still gonna be plateaued. There's sometimes so much resistance when you say, my love, it's okay, and we need to start increasing your calories very slowly so that we can restore your metabolism. When someone's been in this mindset for so long, that often really scares them, and they're like, I can't eat more, you know, all these things are going to happen to me, and so I get it, and that's why I'm talking about it really delicately just to say, I understand firsthand, and I've witnessed it with a lot of women. It's a delicate place to be. Just for context, let's talk about the 1200 calorie thing because that's sadly a common amount that I see. For context, a four-year-old child typically needs 1200 calories a day. A four-year-old child. 
So especially if you're a mom, you can think about your kids and how tiny they are when they're four years old. That's how much typically a four-year-old young child needs to maintain weight and have enough energy. And I'm guessing if you're listening to this podcast, you're not four years old. (laughs) You might be 24, 34, 44, but you're definitely not four years old. And so why, again, are we thinking that our body can survive or thrive on that low of a calorie diet? It's just not a thing. And so oftentimes, just for context, and this is going to be different for everybody, so don't take this as, you know, the way to live your life or something, but most women need at least 1,800 up to 2,500 or even more calories per day, depending on their height, depending on their weight, and depending on their activity level. So if we're eating 1,200 calories a day, we can see how quickly we're going to get wrapped into this issue of a slow metabolism, which is indicating our thyroid needs help, uh, and quickly slide down into all sorts of hormone problems and period problems. This is why in Period Reboot, we talk a lot about nutrition because it doesn't matter what supplements we're taking. It doesn't matter how many hours of sleep we're getting. It doesn't matter even so much how much water we're drinking a day. But if our body literally is starving, how can we even begin to balance our hormones? And so that's my invitation to you right now to think about the food you eat and the symptoms you have. And just to start to ask those big questions like, is it possible I'm not eating enough food for my metabolism and my overall health? I think it's important for me to mention here that a lot of women living on lower calorie diets are doing so because they're chasing a certain body type. And again, I'm going to use a lot of grace and love in this conversation, but I think it's important to know that the female body does not stop growing and maturing until you are 25 years old. And this is important to note because a lot of us are chasing our body size we were when we were 16 or when we were 20. Or <laughs> you're like me and you grew up, you know, watching these early 2000s uh, celebrities who definitely illustrated a body type that was supposedly the, the type you wanted to be, but was like massively unattainable for most women, which is why a lot of us got wrapped into a lot of really, really disordered relationships with food because we thought to be worthy, we had to be a certain body type. When it comes to the hormone healing journey, sometimes we do have to talk about the fact that for optimal fertility, optimal regular periods, um, and even healthy hormones, some body fat is necessary. Um, Generally speaking, 22 up to 28% or so body fat is ideal for optimal fertility. And even if you're not trying to get pregnant, optimal fertility generally just tells us a general state of health where reproduction is even possible. So if we are chasing some body size when we were when we were 16, when we weren't even fully grown women yet, and we're trying to get down to this low body fat percentage and therefore we're restricting our food, we can see that this just doesn't even make sense. This is putting us on a path of a lot of pain and a lot of frustration and a lot of self-hate. And none of you listening deserve that. So in talking about the low calorie diets, we do also have this invitation to start to change what health even looks like. What does our version of a healthy woman's body look like? And as we go further down this journey, an amazing thing happens. Usually we start to shift our perspective of what health is. And health is less about our pant size or if those jeans from 10 years ago still fit us or whatever. And it becomes more about how we feel and it becomes watching Our periods come on day 30 every month and feeling like our hair is long and luscious and seeing our skin clear and watching our fingernails get stronger and just feeling like a vibrant, sexy 
human being again, rather than a frail, fatigued, exhausted, irregular human who's chasing this idea of health that isn't even real. It's based on, again, some marketing scheme some random person decided to start doing probably 20 years ago. Obviously, I'm kind of long-winded with this and I could keep going, <laughs> but I think my point has been made. These low-calorie diets are causing all sorts of issues for women in the long term. And if someone you know is pushing you to join some weight loss thing or some diet thing or whatever, you can just tell them, I love you, but I'm good. <laughs> I am not going to partake in something that is going to starve my body, increase my cortisol, perhaps create insulin uh, dysregulation. I'm not gonna partake in something that's gonna harm me and teach my body that there is a famine. Nah, I'm good, but thanks so much for thinking about me or something nice, I don't know. So if you're feeling like you're not eating enough, it's great to get professional support. So to find someone you trust that can gently guide you through this journey. Um, we talk a lot about this in Period Reboot, of course, but um, so much love to you if you've been on this low calorie trend as well and you're seeing that it is making you ill it's not in your mind. You're probably really picking up on something your body's trying to tell you. So let's move into the second one because it's often really similar, but those are low carb diets. So this idea of villainizing carbohydrates as something bad, something that makes you fat, something that, I don't know, name whatever bad thing is possible. People will point to carbs and say, carbs are bad. We've definitely seen this become more of a thing in uh, the, the time of keto, where so many people are advocating for keto. And traditional keto recommends 20 grams of carbs or less per day. And uh, eating an apple could potentially put you over that 20 grams. So I've long really been a believer of the idea that if a diet tells you a fruit or a vegetable is bad or not accessible, that's a pretty crap diet. <laughs> like if something's going to villainize some of the most simple, beautiful foods in the world, probably not a diet worth following. I'm really cringing even using the word diet because I can't stand that word, but it's applicable kind of <laughs> in this moment. But when we're living on a low carb diet, we're taking away our body's favorite fuel, carbohydrates or glucose, so sugar. So it turns all these carbs into a simple sugar, and that's the, your body's favorite thing to run on, including your liver. So your liver takes this sugar and turns it into glycogen, which is its energy source, and your liver can store that glycogen for up to eight hours. So this is where, if you're, say, going to bed, your body can maintain your blood sugar, maintain itself for about those eight hours, and then when you wake up, it's saying, hey, let's have some breakfast and let's get the ball rolling. This is your body speaking to you and letting you know that it's ready for its next energy source, which hopefully isn't nothing since we're skipping breakfast and hopefully isn't just a latte, but instead would be something balanced. So simply put, your body does need carbs and carbs aren't this evil villainous thing that are out to ruin your life and make you sick. They are necessary for your health. And this is where in Period Reboot, we do spend a lot of time kind of de-villainizing these foods that we all think are so naughty like bread or pasta or rice and we talk about how there are more so differences in quality and there are ways we can make foods more nourishing so rather than just saying everything in this food group is bad and evil we talk about quality and ingredients a lot more so than just sticking everything in this really broad category because certainly Carbs are gonna be 
of different nutrient levels. There's a difference between a piece of white bread that's full of weird enriched minerals and stuff that your body can't even begin to figure out or use, and say a piece of sourdough toast that was made by a local baker that was truly fermented um, and is coming from a quality grain that is not enriched. There's gonna be a way different nutrient level between those two, and it's really freeing for women, again, to feel like they can stop fearing carbs, but they can also stop fearing these entire food groups, which brings me to number three, and that is removing whole food groups without needing to. And so I will be the first to say <clears throat> that up until about the last six months to a year, I was hardcore gluten-free. And I initially became gluten-free a little over 10 years ago because A, I thought it was the right thing to do, and B, I was dealing with some eczema on my hands and my face at the time. And while going gluten-free helped clear this up, I can understand why, and that's because it stopped a trigger going on in my gut. It wasn't the gluten's fault, but it was temporarily easing my symptoms by giving my gut less of a, of a load to have to work through. So I didn't have a real allergy or sensitivity, I just did it because I thought I was supposed to, and I have eaten every gluten-free thing under the sun you can imagine, good and bad, most not, the be not very good. <laughs> there is a reason some people joke that gluten-free stuff tastes like cardboard because some genuinely do. Um, the other thing I cut out for a very long time was dairy. And again, I had no sensitivity, no real need to cut it out, but I was told that that was the right thing to do. And introducing both wheat and dairy in high quality sources has been absolutely life-changing for me. Now, this is my personal story. I'm not telling you to change everything overnight. I'm just providing the idea that removing whole food groups when you don't have a genuine allergy is a quick way to deplete your body's minerals. Mineral balance is required for hormone balance. And so this is where when we get in a very processed diet that is maybe vegan or it's gluten-free or it's dairy, so we think it's the best, it's also often a quick ticket to just being deficient in a lot of things. And we may think our food is enriched or we're taking some vitamin that probably isn't really a, you know something your body can assimilate and use we're really still staying stuck in a deficiency and this is going to slowly manifest into hormone problems so the point i'm trying to make here is sometimes we're quick to remove foods that really are not e as evil and naughty as we think and truly are some of the best sources in the world of nutrients, of minerals. So before you just decide dairy is bad or I heard dairy is inflammatory or gluten must be horrible, maybe look into it a little bit more. Think about it if it makes sense. Decide for yourself if it's really the right thing to remove these whole food groups. And if you have been in a really rigid, restrictive diet, like I once was, y'all, I was vegan and gluten-free, so talk about <laughs> having few options, and again, no judgment if that's where you are, I felt myself becoming unwell. I know diet stuff can be hard to let go of. I know some of us really create an identity around what we do and don't eat. And that's why I'm just providing the idea to sit with it. Do I feel like this diet has made me unwell? How have I been feeling since I removed these food groups? And do I really feel nourished? Do I feel good and vibrant? Does my hair quality feel good? Is my digestion regular? Things for you to sit with, to decide 
what's really right for you. Also remember that especially in the arena of nutrition, that again, a lot of it doesn't apply to female biology entirely. And also, as with any study, look a little bit deeper. So if you're trusting, you know, your Netflix documentaries to tell you what's good and bad to eat, it's definitely worthwhile to investigate the studies, who funded them, who ran them, what were the control groups like, like really go into it to again, use your own intuition to see this is a really well done study or are there a lot of gaps missing to this? And was this really trying to push an idea more than show us nutritional sciences? Food for thought. If this offends you, I'm sorry. <laughs> How does this feel to hear? Hopefully this is just providing you some food for thought and not making you feel upset or like I'm saying everything you're doing is wrong. Again, these are things to think about. And if these components are missing, our hormones can really struggle to even have the basic opportunity to try and be balanced. This is also where it's important to remember if we keep doing what we've always been doing and we're getting the same results, it's kind of silly to keep thinking that someday that, that method is gonna work. And so I see this a lot with my beloved clients that come to me, again, have, it, have very rigid diets or food ideas and they're simply put not thriving. And sometimes it's really, really hard to lovingly encourage them to just see what, what else is possible and what would happen if you added in more of this food. And are you open to just seeing how you feel bringing this food back in? And sometimes there's so much resistance and sometimes they're like, I just know something's gotta change. Like, I don't feel well, I haven't felt well for years. I'll do anything. So wherever you're at, we always have the opportunity to try again to tune into our body and take another approach. I would love to hear from all of you from this episode. So send me a message on Instagram at menstruation queen and let me know if this connected. If you're seeing that some of these things from your past may be creating these current hormone and period problems, um, yeah, I would love to just hear how this connected and if you had any aha moments about your own personal life. I'm right here on this journey with all of you. I am continuing to sift through my own biases about what's good and what's bad with nutrition and continuing to find a rhythm of food freedom and true nourishment that gives me so much joy. Uh, and I hope that you can find that version for yourself as well. If all this really resonated, again, make sure you're on the waiting list for period reboots, because if this is speaking your language, you will be the happiest woman alive to get the full download on what's going on with women's hormones. Why are we all so confused and why are our habits like our food and our exercise creating so many problems for us? And how do we actually upgrade these habits to be nourishing for our epic biology, our cyclical health and our hormones? All right, friends, I'm so grateful. Thank you for tuning in today and I will catch all of you here next week on the cyclical podcast. Thank you so much for tuning into the Cyclical Podcast today. The best way you can support the show is by rating and reviewing the Cyclical Podcast on iTunes. It also means so much when you share this on Instagram and tag me. It helps me see what episodes really, really resonated and just keep the goodness coming. Thanks again for tuning in and I'll see you here next week.